All Souls Witchy Women Podcast, Episode 10, Music and the Discovery of Witches, Season 1. Welcome to All Souls Witchy Women, a fan and definitely not official podcast where we talk all things All Souls. We're three women who met over Outlander and then jumped into the All Souls world like the time-traveling witches we wish we were. We're going to assume that you're like us and that you've watched the Discovery of Witches multiple times. And... We're going to ask for a recount watch, Janet. What's your recount? What's your rewatch count? How many times have you watched? Um, I've watched it four times. Ashley? I don't do the math. Um, <laughs> uh, mine's a blended number. <laughs> We've jumped around. Nikki and I have had the um, pleasure of recapping episodes. So I've watched the entire season start to finish two times through, and then peeked in and out on some episodes. I think that's where I am, too. And since Ashley brought up our recaps, uh, this, is, this is our opportunity to do a shameless plug for our episode recaps. We've, um, we did them weekly for the last eight weeks. We just, we just wrapped those up. And if you, haven't, uh, if you haven't read any of the recaps yet, we think they're hilarious. Um, our families also think they're hilarious, so um, check them out. You can find them at allsoulswitchywomen.com, and they're under the blog link. So if you have already watched The Discovery of Witches, you'll know that there's a lot to love about these eight delicious episodes. One of our favorite things was the use of music. Uh, Rob Lane, a very gifted, uh, famous composer, wrote the score, and you'll hear his music woven through nearly every scene in the show. Um, and honestly, we could devote an entire episode just to Rob Lane's music. But for this episode, we're going to talk about the creative use of other music in the season. The music that uh, most of it didn't make it to the official soundtrack, but these are songs that were chosen to help make um, particular emotional points in episodes or just to add to the emotions of a particular scene. So, a little housekeeping before we get started. We're going to discuss all eight episodes of season one, so this is a big old spoiler alert for the whole season. If you haven't watched this, if you haven't watched it yet, do that, and then come back and watch, and listen to this podcast episode. Um, the other thing is music is integral to uh, Deborah Harkness's writing, and if you follow Deb on her social media channels, um, particularly her website, you'll see that she... She's really great in sharing with the fans, and she shared a lot of the playlists that she listens to while she's written her books. You can go there and listen to the songs that have inspired her as she's written, and we'll include uh, links to her playlists in the show notes for this episode. And speaking of Deborah Harkness, our last podcast episode was our interview with her, which was amazing and we're all still kind of reeling from. Um, and in a portion of that interview, we talked about music choices in the show. So if you haven't listened to that interview, um, maybe go back and af after you listen to this episode, maybe go back and pick that one up because um, we have a lot of friends and family who listen to that episode in particular that they aren't really lovers of the books or the TV show, but they listen to that podcast episode in particular and they all, um, they all walked away thinking what an amazing woman Deb was. So I would highly recommend that one. With that, we're going to jump into the conversation and talk about the excellent music of A Discovery of Witches Season 1 and why it was so very perfect. Y'all ready? So ready. So ready. I'm ready. Let's do it. 
All right, so we're just we're just gonna go from one to eight in chronological order, unless I forget to count. So, <laughs> which could happen. It, it could totally happen. So, episode one, uh, season starts out with a beautiful song called "Song of Home," written by Rob Lane, who, as we mentioned, is the composer of most of the music uh, for the show, and it's sung by Clara. Mm, Clara Kittelars, anybody else have a pronunciation for that? No, but we're sorry, Clara, because you <laughs> because you have a beautiful voice. So Kittelars, um, I don't know, but your voice is awesome. Absolutely. Actually, we, we got to watch the first episode at All Souls Con in Philadelphia. This is one of the first things that we heard, and I know that we were all struck by... As, as book readers, we were all struck by the words of this song and how perfectly they related to what we knew about Diana's life already. And it gives show viewers a, a little bit of insight into what's gone on in her world up to this point. And we're going to listen to a little bit of that clip now. Home is the trace of those lies we Okay, I will admit that I was kind of like bobbing in my chair. Uh, I always bob. I, I, just, I, I bob every time I hear it. I, I know. It's hard not to. It was such a good setup to this season to, for it to kick off. I mean, we, you know, we knew where this book was headed and where the series was headed, but I just remember sitting there as a first-time watcher um, and then as a second-time watcher, and then I guess maybe a third time watcher with my husband who had no idea where it was headed. And it just sets such a tone, first of all, that, you know, you're like, okay, we're going to, because I've dragged him into watching Outlander with me. And it's very rare that you hear music that you might be able to recognize or that even has lyrics to it. But it's just, I think because it was like this montage of her nestled in her life and getting ready. And then you hear these lyrics um, and I know, Nikki, I'll let you dive in on the on the ones particularly of home, but her talking about how things are about to rearrange and change. And you're just like, okay, this is, this is we're setting sort of what is the normal for now, but I have a feeling we're headed towards a new normal and we're going to take this path with her. Yeah. I would love this song, I think, even if I hadn't heard it in A Discovery of Witches, because that opening line... Home is the trace of the life we leave behind, and home is the place that I yearn for all the time. First of all, that just sort of knocks me, knocks me sideways a little bit. Um, but then to see it in the show where she's the the pictures of her parents fall out of a folder or a box or whatever, and and we know as book readers that her parents are are dead, and for many of us, our parents are a home. It, it doesn't matter where our parents live physically, they are our home. And so to, to think about the those lyrics and, and the pictures of her parents and what emotions she might be feeling as she starts this new position at a new university, it's just, <sighs> whatever the words are for that sound. Well, I, I also think that it, it sets up this premise that home is going to be a place that's larger than just 
what you traditionally think of it as, you know, as a place with your parents or where you're, you're brought up. I mean, because she's then, you know, she's seen in her place at Oxford and where she's creating her own her own sense of home and and that's about to expand exponentially which she doesn't know but um and so i think it sets up that premise too through that whole little collage they do of her actions plus this song playing at the same mm -hmm. time um also i think in the lyrics it says that home is the place you can't look back which i think is pretty mm -hmm. perfect because what does diana have to learn as her main lesson in this book series is that she can't just look back. She has to look forward and accept who she is and not who she's been pretending not to be and, and all of those things and see her parents clearly for the first time and learn all the secrets. And, um, so I think it's, it's perfect on that level too. And, and I think it's, I love that the music stops when the papers spill and she uses her magic. <laughs> yeah. So, good good exciting opening oh. you know to sort of see that and to go oh okay so they're going to use music in, in a creative interesting way awesome can't wait to see what they do next yeah i did not i i didn't pick up on until you just said that that the music ends when the paper spill that's so great yeah that may, <laughs> that I think... may, have, may have been rewatched for well, <laughs> thank you for that research, uh, Janet. Um, but, you know, it's one of those where the music itself captures you and then to have her spill the papers and use the magic to, you know, recollect them punctuates its own moment. So you almost forget that the two weren't blended together, that they were their own standalone. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So awesome. Well, speaking of what happens next, musically... Did you like that? Was that a good segue? That was awesome. So the next snaps, snaps for Nikki. <laughs> Segway queen. So in episode two, I mean, so that that's the next use of, of a, of sort of a pop culture song. It's the beginning of episode two, which also opens with a bang, but for a really different reason. And this episode is white rabbit. Um, <laughs> Written by Grace Slick, which I didn't realize until yeah. we started doing some research. So this song was originally recorded by Jefferson Airplane, um, which they my parents told me never to listen to them. <laughs> this is a satanic, um, psychedelic song. <clears throat> very, very bad for you. Uh, yeah, well, it was bad for Matthew. Um, so Haley Reinhardt sings this version and I thought it was, first of all, an amazing, amazing cover, uh, and worked so incredibly well with the visuals with Juliet and her stunning beauty and also brokenness. Um, and just the, the whole scene of, of her hunting Matthew, which, you know, lasted for this entire song. So let's listen to a little bit of White Rabbit. Chasing rabbits And you know You're going to fall Just tell them all Look up Smoking caterpillar Eyes Giving you the call Call Alice When she was just small 
scares me every time. Right? <laughs> well, you it's know. It's so I, haunting. At first, when I started it, I was like, okay, I think we talked about this in the recap. Like, we're watching like some sort of like, I don't know, Christian Dior perfume commercial oh. or a, or like a United Colors of Benetton mm-hmm. or a Global Gap ad. And then it goes very horribly awry and the whole thing. And it just, when I now when I hear it, I can associate that scene immediately. And I'm like, oh, this is very bad for fake Matthew. Very bad. Mm. They also, they did it as a cold open with that music, which again, I think showed like, you know, if you're just watching the second episode for the first time, you you know, you really are seeing, oh, music is going to be a, a thing here, you know, because they did what they did in the last episode and then they opened up this episode with this song, which I think, you know, made a statement right there. Mm-hmm. I, of course, am old enough to say that um, I, <laughs> I can remember Grace Slick singing this song and, um, <laughs> Yeah, and maybe identifying with some of the activities that she was talking about or whatever, who knows. Um, But um, it is very much sort of the beat to it um, and sort of the rhythm to it to me is very much sort of like the pulsing of sort of a hunting thing and which which she's doing, which is one of the reasons why I thought it was such a great choice. I mean, some of the lyrics reference hunting but it's really mostly about drugs and um but i thought it was really well done i also love because Haley reinhardt was a and i realized that she's made it much further than this but i'm like is this back when i used to watch american idol she came from american idol and she found her way into our discovery of witches um yeah she was she was a she was a very young American Idol contestant way back in the day. So to hear this voice kind of mature with this very sultry track to it and do this cover of Jefferson Airplane song was, yeah. it, once we figured out that it was her, it put a whole new meaning to it for me as well. Um, but I, yeah, I'm, I'm with Jan. I think it's such a great choice, especially for the nature of the scene overall. Oh, and so one of the things that I was thinking about as Janet was talking was, um, so it it feels very ethereal to me, you know, -hmm. you know, when you think about Alice in Wonderland and clearly the drugs that were involved with writing that book or whatever. Um, But and you think you think about hunting, but you also think about drugs in in this (laughs) in this version of Alice's tale and sort of Juliet was Matthew was like a drug for her right she had she had a craving for him and and she needed a fix she needed a Matthew fix so I thought it was interesting from from that perspective and also that it's just very dreamlike so from Julie from Juliet's perspective she needs a fix of this drug from poor Matthew's perspective he wants a hit of something else and you know, it's both very dreamlike for both of them for two very different ways. I, I think that's brilliant. I'm not kidding. That is like super smart. I love that. I do too. I had not thought of that. Can no, I go now? All I can think is yeah. This, yeah, it. you're done. <laughs> right. Well, wait. Can you still host us <laughs> rambling along while we try and come up with something as coherent and thoughtful as that? Yeah. Because because all I have is eat me, drink me, eat me, drink me. <laughs> Well, the only other thing I'm going to say musically about that song is that it's a very pulsating and it builds the mm-hmm. beat very slowly. And I think that it go, it's that underlying hunting thing that's 
you know, part of that. So absolutely. Yeah. But I think we ought to stop because really Nikki nailed it and that's it. I just, I want to preserve that moment in audio, in audio history. But that Nikki nailed yeah, it. Yeah. Yeah. I'm never going to get that again. Um, I got you. Thank you. I got you. you. Thank you. All right. Then let's move on to episode three. Um, and mm, my favorite. Oh, Demons. Demons Both by Imagine Dragons. Um, Ashley, you want to play a little bit of it for us? Yes, yes, very much. A lot of it? I want to hide the truth. I want to shelter you. But with the beast inside, there's nowhere we can hide. No matter what we breed, we still are made of greed. This is my kingdom come. This is my kingdom come. you were gonna have to cut me off from playing imagine dragons oh, it made me very really happy although i had all i could do not to just sort of join in oh i love oh, love love so love, love that song yeah so. i do too and i love that they use it's so on the nose right it's just very meta like here it is we know we're introducing the demons to you for the first time so here here we're gonna play this but I think it goes deeper than that, for sure. I mean, at first I was like, well, of course they use this song. And then when you start really listening to it and seeing how it's played out, it fits. Right. Yeah. Ab- absolutely. I mean, when, so I was, I was thinking earlier today about the lyrics and, and the demons. And um, I think it might be in an episode beyond this one. But Hamish says something to Matthew like um, Hamish has a relationship with a human and um he says to matthew you know the congregation's never said anything about that and matthew says yeah because you're not you're not as much of a threat to the congregation um and so i was, I was thinking about how the daemons in the show in the books they they have they 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 have a sort of a lesser role it, if if there's a caste society <laughs> within the creature world they're at the bottom and so I was just thinking about the, the lyrics, um, uh, where my demons hide and, um, the, the demons, they're in plain sight and the witches and the vampires always have to try to, um, keep themselves out of sight of humans and they try not to attract attention, but the demons are kind of like, Hey, 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 look at us. And nobody's looking. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, you know, the, the demons aren't really a threat to anybody. The witches don't see them as a threat. The vampires don't see them as a threat. The vampires and the witches see each other as threats. But the demons are like, yeah, whatever. They'll, they're fine. I also think the song, you know, Where My Demons Hide is, is what everybody's, not everybody, but a lot of the characters are struggling with themselves. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, Matthew has his own demons, right? I mean, he... You know, he feels great remorse for the women that he's that he's killed and for some of the behaviors that he's exhibited and um, some of the, some of the, the secrets and the lies that he's kept. And Diana's demons have been sort of her inability to, you know, accept her magic and sort of understand it completely. And, um, you know, I think other characters as well sort of have things inside them that are, you know, 
if you think about it more metaphorically, I think the song also works on that level, which is just kind of cool because that gives it the double meaning mm -hmm. in addition to being just an awesome song. Mm -hmm. Did I lose everybody? I was lost in my head with my own demons, Janet. Jeez. <laughs> All right. Well, phew. I just had a moment of like, uh-oh. I'm just no. Been... All right. No, Janet. I We didn't make you go your own way. Oh. See, see what... Oh. And look at that. Segway. See what I did there. Segway queen two. All right. So also in episode three, we have go your own way. And... You can play this one for as long as you like. Thank you. Loving you isn't the right thing to do. How can I ever change things that I feel? If I could, maybe I'd I just can't cut it off before. I mean, really, you had to. I'm glad you did that because I was going to let it just keep going. Oh, it's so good. Well, it's so good. I know this is one that Deb mentioned, too, um, in the interview, as that Lissy was one of her favorite female artists, and she wanted. she was hoping they would find a way to use her. So the fact that they used this cover, and in the moment that they did, it's just all so... So wonderful. I'm a big, I'm a big Fleetwood Mac fan in general, and I recently had the wonderful, wonderful mm. opportunity to go see them um, in concert a couple weeks ago, a few a month ago, whatever it was. And this song came on, and I couldn't help but just place it right down Ugh. in that episode, even though it was the original and it wasn't Lissy. I didn't care. It's just now that you can apply those lyrics to that scene and it was the moment where they were like all right we're striking out and creating our own path and doing our own thing and we've got to be together to do it and oh my god it was so great it was really interesting with this song because when it first started playing in the show it's it's sort of it's it's transformed quite a bit i think from the original and i didn't i didn't catch on immediately to which song it was but I had locked into the words and I thought, oh my God, what perfect words. And then I realized it was a Fleetwood Mac song. And I just, I just think it's just so great for this moment. And it ends with them holding hands. You know, oh, so God. Go, go your own way and they're going to go their own way together. And uh, yeah. And forgive me if I didn't think that moment was not scripted. Like, I have watched that maybe a few times when they walk back through that archway, and he just kind of casually reaches, and it may have been scripted, mm -hmm. but the way they play it off, it almost looks improv and mm -hmm. it's just, oh, it was so fitting. Yeah, it was, it was perfect. It was perfect. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. I, I mean, I'm not sure that we can really say much about it other than it was perfect. Well, but it was also, it does reference the, I mean, you know, I understand the series is based on a book, 
right? But it is nice that, you know, I mean, Fleetwood Mac figures in the book, too. So it was fun to have a Fleetwood Mac, you know, yes. song um, just as part of that. I mean, I feel like there are sort of things thrown out to book readers all through the series, mm-hmm. right? Just nods to the book readers like, we see you. We yeah. see you. You've been on you've been on this <laughs> ride with us. Here's something for you. Wink yeah. wink. <laughs> right. So. Uh you know what else I like? This is um really uh, related unrelated, but um is that uh and I think Janet you read this book. I never read the book, but Practical Magic. Um yeah, I did. It, so the Alice movie Hoffman. version yeah, Alice Hoffman. The movie version with um, Sandra Bullock and Nicole Kidman. I I had the soundtrack because I really liked it. And there's a Stevie Nicks song on the soundtrack or a Fleetwood Mac song on it. Um, actually, it's just Stevie Nicks called If You Ever Did Believe. And when this started playing up and when I was reading the books with Fleetwood Mac in it, I just really liked sort of the carryover. Of, Here's a book, to, you know, turned to movie about witches sort of coming into their power um, slowly but surely and Stevie Nicks popping up on that soundtrack. And here's, you know, the next version of it and the one we love even more. Um, and to have Fleetwood Mac in this song pop up as it did. I, I loved that. Mm-hmm. Maybe Stevie Nicks is like the unofficial witch magic uh, music person i believe it i've yeah in I my mean, mind she is i was gonna say you can wear that garb and like flutter around as you do i believe it i believe she was gonna spend some magic on that stage all right well so there you go all right so we're gonna go to episode four and there are two songs from episode four that we wanted to talk about and they're both in they, they both involve dancing uh, matthew mm-hmm. dancing with isabeau and then matthew dancing with diana and the first is Tuxedo Junction, uh, and this is the Glenn Miller Orchestra version. So, Ashley, you want to play that for us? I do. Dance with me? I will. Oh, yes. <laughs> guys are picturing him swinging around that little oh room, i was just thinking how can you not uh, i know just... i was i you know i could so have ugh, i love dancing so much and that that song is just awesome i i really loved the idea of playing this song first of all it was played on that old wind up yeah um mm-hmm. what I, it wasn't a it wasn't a Victrola, I don't think, but the old wind up record player, which was awesome. And then this Glenn Miller uh, song, which would have been popular in World War II, and something that I mentioned in the recap. I wondered if this was maybe a song that Isabeau and Philippe had danced to. Mm, right. It's. I mean. Well, but you know, when was he captured? Right. Right. World War One. No, World well, War Two. No, no, World two. War Two is oh, yeah. when he's 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 killed. So maybe, maybe <laughs> it would have been a very quick dance before that moment. Maybe as he headed out. But it's so evocative of a time period, and it's it's perfect because it does it, it, 
it does reference their past without, you know, of course, Diana knowing anything about it at that point, really. Um, but it's a moment between Isabeau and Matthew. That's um, a secret sharing beyond just the music and the dancing itself, because it is evocative of a time period when Philippe would have been around. Right, right. I just felt like there was—I felt like there was a conversation between Matthew and Isabeau as they were dancing. You could sort—you could see it in their eyes, like they—they they were sharing. You know, they—they they were having a conversation. Yeah. As they danced. So let's get to let's get to the tango. All right. Buy me a drink first. <laughs> Hearing, I just keep hearing like, let her, le- let him lead. <laughs> well, I'm not surprised her magic comes out after that oh, because you think, uh, I think my magic would come out after uh, that. Hello, hello. Yeah, no. I mean, it's it's the tango is just such a damn sexy dance. <laughs> so, and if you let yourself go, I mean, come on, your magic will come out anyway. Well, and and with his sort of leading her through it to me, and you know he he's not shouting at her, but he's you know he's sort of leading her verbally, leading her through the dance. Yeah, and you know that's that's kind of sexy. Oh yeah. Well, and also you know speaking metaphorically, I mean part of what she has to do is to learn to let him lead her where he can, because he does open up her magic in her. Mm-hmm. I mean he is he is the key there. And, and helping to unlock a lot of that. and But part of it is trusting him to, to, you know, help her seek her power and discover her power. And anyway. And I, I needed to, I needed to know what this song meant. So I went to the Wikipedia machine. And the title of the song is Por Una Cabeza. And it means, it's a Spanish racehorsing term. And it means by a head, which, which is a reference to a horse winning by a thin margin. And I, I thought, I don't know if this was intentional or not, but I thought it was, I thought it was really interesting to use this song with a reference to horses and, and um, the horses that we see in the show, we know they figure prominently in the books for Casa and, and the other horses. And that's another place where Diana uses her magic. Um, and so I just, I thought that was an interesting tie in, whether it was intentional or not. I just want to know if if it's if it's Matthew and the wizard that he is, if it's her and her magic. Like if a mere mortal, let's say hypothetically like myself with no dance skills were to, you know, cut in, would I also learn to tango as quickly and have magic spinning out of me? Was that part of her I just was fascinated that she was like, "Oh gosh, golly, I could never. I don't dance." And then all of a sudden it was like, "Oh, okay." <laughs> like the judges are giving tens. Well, it felt aspirational for me because I, I love me the too. idea of dancing, but I can't because my limbs mm-hmm. aren't coordinated. Okay, I'm just going to step in here as somebody who has a little bit of dancing experience. And um, with the right partner, yeah, you can totally Uh-oh. do that. Uh-oh. 
Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Janet's got I mean... stories. <laughs> Janet's yeah. got oh, oh, Janet stories. just snorted. <laughs> Next time on the All Janet. Souls Witchy Women podcast. Yeah, really, Janet Reynolds really, breaks yeah. down why she thinks the tango is really just sex and clothes. Yes, it's true. I did write that in the Google Doc. I know, I love it. Um, uh, but, uh, yeah, no, totally. Yeah, that's all I can say about it right now, but but it's real. It I'm adding happen. that to my to-do list right now. <laughs> I'm I'm going to suggest to the to the show publicity team that we get a little Matthew Good contest going. That that's, that's the winning you know, that's the social media contest nets you out in a tango with him. Mm. Ooh, 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 yeah. That could be good. All right. All in favor, say aye. Aye. <laughs> yeah. But, right. <laughs> yeah. All right. Okay. Well, I think we should move to episode five. Fine. <laughs> if we must. Well, right. we're going to talk about a little music set to DNA testing because that's sexy. <laughs> Yeah, it is when it's that musical right. montage of DNA testing and blood samples. And yeah, go ahead. Sorry, no, my nope. I got nope. like happy finger. It started nope. in too soon, but I'll play it for you. Do it. I do recognize that I managed to snip the uh, <laughs> the ooey ooey ooey. Yeah, the part without the actual <laughs> lyrics, but it's the part that was most recognizable to me because yes. it just kept coming back and forth. You know what I mean? Like as soon as it came on, you knew we were sort of at that middle point of the story where it's like, what? We're we're in a little bit of a purgatory here. Like, what's mm-hmm. going to happen? We've kind of chased ourselves up the tree, and um, what's it going to be like while we're up here? And so every time I hear that section of it is the part that I associate with this middle episode. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So this song starts to play after Matthew and Diana have that incredibly awkward phone conversation. Like, why yeah. couldn't he just talk to her? Anyway, that's not why we're here. But so he hangs up the phone with her, the song starts playing, and then he goes and runs, starts running her DNA samples again or her starts running her blood to do dna tests (sighs) and so now i'll always think about a lab when i hear that song um but i was i was reading through the lyrics and one of the things that really caught me was a line that is i'm the night without the day and if you read the books you'll know that there were a lot of references uh, to day and night sun and moon shadows and light and uh, diana's mom called um Matthew, her shadow, was it her shadow prince, I think? Mm-hmm. So yeah. I, I really loved that particular line because I thought it was so well suited to Diana and Matthew because it, it harkens back to all those references in the book about them being, they have, they have love, they have a relationship, but neither one is complete without the other. And they, they make each other whole. And I, I loved that sort of line. Yeah, no, I, I, I agree. And I, I, um, I love your, I love your thoughts there. And I also even just think the title of the song, you know, for Mm -hmm. you, I mean, you know, Matthew's doing this testing for her, you know, I mean, she's doing what she's doing for him. Um, 
I mean, you could just stop right there right. and be like, yeah, that's a good, those, those are right. good lyrics, you know, but, and, but then it goes further from there, um, beyond sort of just the song itself, which I just, I love the rendition. Mm -hmm. I love it. I do too. And I like that, you know, there it's like, they're staying busy. It's the business of being busy mm -hmm. while they're apart from each other. Like they came crashing together and then, then they kind of forced apart and it's the moment where they're trying to keep moving right in almost on separate but joint paths um trying to fix themselves and each other from afar um so the idea that this song is called for you to what you're saying janet i really liked because you know we could have i don't know i really i love any time a, a good montage or sequence like that is worked in to do more showing than telling um mm -hmm. and do more showing and sort of a time-lapse way as they did it and this song felt like the perfect pepper over top of it yep totally and it's also a little bit haunting too you know with all the the oohs and the ahs and it it's it it sounds a little bit haunted to mm -hmm. me and I, I i think that's a lovely sort of tone and so appropriate yeah well you know i have that little snippet so when you least expect it i'm just gonna like <laughs> You could just leave me voicemails. Your, yeah, and you're like, oh, Ashley called. And then it's just, ooh, ay, ay, ay. <laughs> With apologies to Ray Morris sorry, oh, for, for our sure. rendition of the singing. Yeah. <laughs> always, always. Apologies to anyone on any of these tracks. Your version is much better. Oh, absolutely. Yes, right. Speaking of singing. Oh, dear. Yeah. It's coming. So like, do you guys remember like in the 90s when NBC or any of the stations would have like a very special episode? And it was like mm. they would change, the, you know, and they would like build in some beefed up component to make you like, oh, this is this is big. It sweeps. That's what we've done for the wine note today. Because mm -hmm. I made Bayard promise us that he would sing his uh, at least an intro to the wine note. Um, and I'm not even going to tell you why, because he'll explain why. But today we're going to focus on Syrah. Bayard, tell us all about Syrah. Okay, Syrah, Syrah, whatever will be, will be. The future's not ours to see. Okay, Syrah, Syrah, what will be, will be. Yes, that's right, I don't get paid to sing, but... That is a song that everyone is familiar with that was popularized back in the mid-50s uh, in the Alfred Hitchcock film The Man Who Knew Too Much, starring Doris Day and James Stewart. And that kind of leads me into our wine varietal of the week, which is Syrah, S-Y-R-A-H. Syrah is an awesome grape. For those of you that are familiar with um, Rhone varietals, and what I mean by that are wines that are indigenous to the uh, Rhone region, the Rhone Valley uh, in France, which is in the kind of southeastern part of France. For those of you that are familiar with your geography, it is, starts down oh, kind of by Montpellier, almost on the coast of the Mediterranean, all the way up to uh, almost to Lyon. So in the southeastern part of France. And the Syrah grape is truly phenomenal. It is widely used here in California. 
especially the northern part of California and the central coast part of California that extends from Santa Barbara all the way up to the southern tip of the Bay Area by San Jose. Not to be confused, although they are the same, Syrah and Shiraz are the same grape. A lot of people ask me that question. So you will find Shiraz from South Africa or Australia. Those are the same grape, and basically it goes back to phonetic labeling. So along the lines of Syrah, uh, sometimes it would be uh, written down as C-I-R-A-S, Syrahs, uh, but due to the French protected origin, uh, the name was changed to Shiraz uh, at some point uh, in the 1980s. So most people in Australia uh, think its best expression comes from plantings in the, what they call the Barossa Valley there in Australia. So for those of you that like Australian wine, you might want to check that out. That being said, back to the star performer of Syrah. For those of you who would like a good bottle of wine this week, go to your wine retailer and ask them to show you some Red Rhone wines uh, from the Rhone Valley. Most of them, if not all, will be Syrah dominant. Some of the reds will have a blending of a white grape from the Rhone Valley called Viognier. That would be exceptional. Pair it with a really nice pasta dish or some heavier proteins, and you will have a phenomenal dinner on your hands. Enjoy. Oh, fired. Oh. Thank you oh. so much. Fired. For getting a song stuck in our heads forever and ever. And making me want to buy a wine I don't even like. So. <laughs> All right, that's it. On to episode seven. <laughs> Oh, episode seven. So we have, um, next up is I Found by Amber Ron. I'm going to play some for you. I think you should. I'm starting to feel like Delilah a little bit or um, <gasps> Casey Kasem. Oh, no, or... be Delilah. Thank you. This one is a very, very good Delilah track. Hold, please. And I'll use you as a warning sign. That if you talk enough sense, then you'll lose your mind. When I found love where it wasn't supposed to be, right in front of me, talk some sense to me. Another good one. Yeah, this is one that I quickly... There is a couple of them that I immediately um, went on to Amazon or Spotify or any of your favorite streaming music players to find um, this. The Lissy song was another one. I just... I was like, I have to know what that is. I have to know what that is. It was partly the nature of the scene overall, but just... The voice, the lyrics, the build-up to it. Yep. Yeah, I mean... Bundle me. Yeah. Bundle me. I'm ready. <laughs> oh, man. If the Amish only knew. Right? Oh, uh, yeah. uh, right? I mean, the, the, new, the French version of bundling. 
Yeah. Nikki, we're going to have to convince to go back and watch this because Nikki, do tell. So I haven't actually seen this scene. So wait, I should back up. I've seen it in fast forward, (laughs) which is an interesting way to watch it. But I've watched this episode twice. Both times have been with my 14 year old daughter and she was having none of it. So I've had to fast forward through both times. <laughs> and I haven't gone back just to watch that ep- that particular scene because it seems wrong. I want to watch the whole episode and enjoy the entirety of it. <laughs> As Deb yeah. says, the slow oh. burn. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you are definitely getting a slow burn since you haven't actually yes. watched well, it. Well, I have vacation coming up this week. I'm going to... I think you owe yourself that as a vacation yeah, I was going to say I was going to have some mama um, time, but that sounded gross. Um. <laughs> oh, my God. That's so great. Well, I was going to say Janet and I, the big pervs that we are, I think have watched it enough cumulatively to uh, count for yours, too. But I, I do love that. I was just about to tell you, if you felt wrong about it, just like scroll back just a little bit to where they're hunting each other in the woods for practice. Mm-hmm. Um and they use a lot of vulgarity that made me laugh and they were all flirty with each other and then it led into this and then you're just like no yeah. i was just watching to see how they hunt oh look what happened right but i like that you're gonna back it up and watch the whole episode oh, yeah. good for you you know research yeah i'm devoted yeah. all that thing all those things right you want all the precise you know exact moments <laughs> for your research yeah even though i haven't seen the scene in regular speed i will say that that there's I'm a, I'm a big sucker for song lyrics, first of all. Um, that's that's how my man wooed me through songs. So I, I, I got a special place in my heart for well-written songs. But, you know, this line where I'm, I found love where it wasn't supposed to be right in front of me. I, I, I love the idea of you know people search for love and, and they think I'm looking for this person or that person or I'm not looking for anybody at all. I don't want love. I want to stay far away from love. And then you look up and love is standing in front of you possibly he's been stalking you because he thinks you can get a book that he's been looking for for 300 years but it could still be romantic yeah and i also think the line i'll use you as a warning Hmm. sign um and i which i also just think is interesting too because you know their their relationship is it's it's prickly Mm -hmm. too in addition to being the right relationship they have to sort of be aware of each other in, in different ways and they're uh, and sort of being aware of each other's sensually, mm-hmm. I think is speaks to, to that line as well. Mm-hmm. And the line talks some sense into mm-hmm. me. You know, where where yeah. she's standing in front of him before he leaves to go back to Oxford to examine the lab and and he's saying to her, you know, we're not gonna break the we're not gonna break the covenant, we're not gonna do this and she's like, Stop it. What why are, why are you doing this? Right. And right. Mar- and and Isabel are just kind of standing over in their corner going, damn, girl, we, we don't talk to him like that. But she's the one who can really get through to him, who can make him stop yes. and, and sort of not go into his rage. Yeah. Yes. And likewise. I was going to mm-hmm. say, and, li- and likewise, you know, like he... I, I get it. There's a collection of people in her corner supporting her and encouraging her to find her true self and to not be scared of her magic and to let it come out. But it came from meeting him and from, of course, being threatened by all these other creatures. But I like that they collectively have um, 
I was going to say smack some sense into each other, but talk some sense into each other. Right. Um, and I like that that lyric repeats itself over and over again in this song. And um, and then I also like the kind of lustful way, obviously, that it's represented, that they finally figure out how to talk some sense to each other um, in the way that they do in this scene in a different way, right? So they've spent the entire episode trying to, um, you know, get get each other aligned on the way that they're seeing it or from their perspective. And then when they finally kind of come together, so to speak, they're talking some sense into each other in a different way. Right, right. <sighs> yeah. So many sighs in this podcast. <laughs> oh. okay. Yeah. All right. All right. So we're going to move on to episode eight. Yes. All right. So, um, the, the song that we pulled out from episode eight is actually has no words. It's the dance sequence with Matthew, Matthew and Isabel when, when Matthew and Diana time walk back to set tours. Um, yes. So we can play it. goosebumps i know it's such a poignant poignant moment um and i think that's you know perfectly evoked in the in the music that rob lane wrote and um i just thought they did that really specially but you know they could have just done oh and now we're playing tuxedo junction Mm -hmm. again but they just were way more clever than that. Mm-hmm. And I think it really, you know, um, plays to the emotion of everything that goes, goes on and just makes it much more, much greater and stronger. Right. I mean, so we, we heard Tuxedo Junction, Junction once before. We don't need to hear that again, right? So this time around, we're focusing on the emotions. Uh, it's not just the music. It's not the dance. It's, it's the emotions because you can imagine that there's so much going through Matthew's head, so much going through Diana's head. And Isabeau is none the wiser. She doesn't know what's going on. But they both know that maybe this is the last time they see Isabeau. Maybe this is their last dance. They just don't know because everything is so uncertain. And I just I, I just thought it was so poignant, so touching. And again, I feel like they had a conversation. Maybe this one was more one-sided <laughs> with, with Matthew obviously having thoughts about would this be, you know, would this be their last dance? Maybe. I don't know. Well, you know, with, with all of this today in particular, sort of the, the thing, be mindful, be in the present, you know, et cetera. And we all sort of pay lip service to it and go, yes, I am going to do that, you know? And then, and yet we go through our days and we go through moments and we actually don't pay attention. Mm-hmm. Right. But here was a moment where, you know, Matthew, absolutely was 150% there in that second, you know, in those dancing moves, in this moment with his mother. And, you know, it's so wonderful. I mean, when do we get a do-over? 
Uh, right? I mean, never, never. Um, or really super rarely. And, you know, I think that's what was portrayed there with, with that, cho- that choice. I mean, it's in the book, but, you know, the, the decision to go back to that moment is that sort of you get a do-over and Matthew knows it's a do-over and he's, you know, he's, he's taking in every single second yeah. of it. Yeah, absolutely. I, and, and to, to that point of being in the moment and, you know, we, we say that we want to be in the moment and, and we have a hard time doing that. And we also say, if I could just do it again, I would do it differently next time, or I would do this, or I would change this about what I did. And to have that opportunity is, is, is a beautiful thing. And I, to, to me, this was a visual representation of everything I, I, think about when I think about having a do-over about about having another moment with a loved one that's what it would sound like I'm pretty sure of it yeah I also really I always in my head think I want to you know put this person or this moment or something in my you know in a pocket in my pocket for Mm -hmm. safekeeping so when I watched this I kind of felt like this was that moment to put in your pocket for safekeeping like it's it's all going to derail from here. It could, or it could not. But this is sort of the whimsical way of, you know, wrapping them up tightly in a blanket or yeah. just cozy and putting them in your pocket for safekeeping and remembering this moment specifically, even as a viewer, um, not knowing what's coming next. Right, right. Oh, and I like blankets. I like warm. Happiness is mm. a warm blanket, Charlie Brown. Absolutely. Well, that's all eight episodes. That is all eight episodes. It's true. Hmm. Can I tell you how excited I am though for the next one, the next uh, season? Well, you need I to pace you yourself, girl, because it's gonna be a while. I know it is. I know it is. I know. But we already did our spoiler alert thing. So, um, but they're going to go back to Renaissance England, you know, to Elizabethan England. And the little musician who lives inside Janet. (laughs) Is very excited. Um, You know, we could have some very cool music nerd moments for me. Absolutely. So I, I'm just, Rob, I'm sure you're listening to this podcast. So I'd like to hear like a lot of viola da gamba, maybe some crumb horn, recorder, sack butt. We need to have some dances like pavans or, or uh, galliards or, you know, um, stuff like that. I, I recognize the word recorder and all that. And I had some serious well. fourth grade flashbacks, but... <laughs> Oh, well, I'm gonna take your word for it, Janet. I've just I've made my musical request. Okay. So my question to you, Janet, is: Do you think then that means that we won't hear some contemporary music sprinkled throughout because of the setting, or do you think because of the nature of the show they'll find a way to make it in? Ooh. Well, that's an interesting idea. Um, uh, Blog post. 
it would be a lot more anachronistic and maybe a little more jarring in a way that doesn't work the way it did for the first season. You know, if they took contemporary 21st century music or 20th century music and put it in to the time when they're all, you know, back in 1592. On the other hand, you know, what are they going to do? Greatest hits of, <laughs> of the 16th century? <laughs> I mean, so, um, you know, while I might be able to name a couple, probably most people can't, right? So, stop making it sound so appealing. I'm pre ordering now. <laughs> right. Do you so, think Nina yeah. Blackwood does that countdown every week? Yeah, probably. <laughs> probably. Oh. Anyway. Well. All right, ladies. Well, I guess we don't have any more episodes to talk about, so. No. I guess we should wrap this up. We should. All right. Can I final just say thoughts? thank you? Oh. Yeah, I would like to give a final thank you to all of the um, wonderful artists that contributed to this season. Those that are featured on the soundtrack, obviously Rob and the um, the um, the London Orchestra, um, and those and uh, yeah, because here we are. We've we've clearly played a whole bunch of your music, but we've done it in just in wonderful. I think paying homage to how how fantastic a fit it was for this season. So thanks for letting us celebrate it in its entirety, or or in more than fifteen seconds mm-hmm. of use throughout. Um, I am a, such a big fan of music, and I love when it makes it into a show. And some of the shows that I will still that I still celebrate that that rank among the 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 tops uh, the top of my list as as being favorites. A lot of it is, of course, the characters and the stories and all of that. But it is about how music finds its way in and, you know, seamlessly tells a story right alongside the characters and the dialogue. And I wondered if this was going to be one of those shows after watching it. And it was very clear to me that it will be one of those shows Mm -hmm. because the first season was a very strong indicator of that. Absolutely. Yeah. I got nothing. I already talked about my... (laughs) My hopes and dreams for season two, based on how great season one was with music. Well, my final thoughts are going to be very similar to Ashley's. Act surprised. But as a child of the (laughs) 80s and a child of the mixtape generation, I I can recall all of my relationships through mixtapes. And then later in life through mixed CDs, which just doesn't have the same ring. Um, so I, I loved all of the music in this episode because it sounded, it to me felt like a great mixtape um, to fall in love to, and to recall falling in love and watch these two um, these two amazing characters fall in love. So this was a joy to talk about. It was a joy to think about as we prepared for this episode. So kudos, Deborah Hartness and the whole production team. Loved it. So, with that, we're going to say thank you for spending some of your valuable time with us as we discussed all things All Souls. We hope you enjoyed it as much as we did, and that if you feel inspired, you'll leave a review on Apple Podcast. If you'd like to join in the conversation, find us on Twitter and Instagram at AllSoulsWW, on Facebook at All Souls Witchy Women Podcast and Blog, and online at AllSoulsWitchyWomen.com. See you soon!